living an intentional life. We've been talking about being intentional and living intentionally uh, for the last few weeks. And today the question is, are you living an intentional life? What does that look like? What does that look like in your life and in your journey to live intentionally for Christ? Continue to, 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 to continue to live that life out, upholding and fulfilling your responsibilities, your duties, living intentionally for him. What does that look like? As a follower of Christ, we're called to live intentionally for him. I want to share with you a story about a guy named First Lieutenant Charles Thomas. December 14th, 1944, First Lieutenant Charles Thomas was charged with going to the town of Klimbach, France. Klimbach, France had been taken over by the German troops about three weeks earlier. It was a stronghold for what they were doing and where they were trying to advance the evil that was set apart on this world. Charles Thomas was leading his platoon in, and as he led the brigade in, his vehicle was the first vehicle in the line. They came under heavy artillery attack, small arms fire, and large arms fire as well. His vehicle caught fire. He jumped on top, got to the 50 caliber, and began to return fire so that his platoon could set up and, and to be able to exchange enemy fire. As they got set up, he stepped down from the vehicle that was on fire, pulled his men that were injured out of that vehicle, drug them to safety behind the vehicle, and then he himself ran out into a barrage of small arms fire. He was hit in the chest, in both arms, the leg, and continued on. He would not allow himself to be medically evac off of the field, even with those injuries. He then set up, got his junior uh, commander next to him, set up anti-tank guns, set up the artillery where they needed to go, began to displace his troops and get his company where they needed to be. It was only after he got his junior uh, commander fully oriented to the situation in front of him that he allowed himself to then be medically evacuated off the battlefield. Why? Because he was intentional about the roles and responsibilities that he had. He was intentional about fulfilling his duty, fulfilling his responsibilities. He was devoted to what he was called to do. For that, First Lieutenant Charles Thomas was made a captain and was later awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for his bravery on the field. I want to ask you, are you living your life intentionally for Christ? How are you living your life? What does it look like in your journey? Are you living in a way that honors and glorifies God? We're going to roll into chapter 3 of Philippians. As we roll into chapter 3 of Philippians, I want to share something from Corinthians as you guys turn there. Paul, we're going to look at Paul. Paul was one of the most intentional guys who lived his life for Christ. One of the most intentional followers that there has been. He was a vessel that God used incredibly, incredibly for his glory. He was a vessel that God you know, allowed to be able to, to, to be taken and to take the gospel halfway, uh, I mean, uh, all the way around the known world at that time. It wasn't about the vessel. It wasn't about Paul. It was about the, the, the message that that vessel carried, the treasure that was within it. So Paul, what he did is he, he laid out that life. He laid out a life that was filled with the gospel. He, he, he was being questioned at one time about 
who he was and the, the, the validity of the gospel that he was preaching. And as he was being questioned, he, he goes in, he talks about it in 2 Corinthians, he lays it out and says, you know what? He goes, I've been beaten, you know, five times by the Jews with the, the, the 40 minus one lashes. I've been shipwrecked. I've spent a day in the open sea, a day and day and the night in the open sea. I've been in danger by my own people. I've been in danger by the false witnesses. He said, I've gone through all of these things. I've been stoned. I've been beaten. He said, I've been on the, the point of near death. I've been imprisoned. He goes through and he lays out the validity of who he is, not in himself, but in Christ. And as he does that, he says, you know what? If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my weakness because it's not about me, it's about him. He lays it out and says, if this were not true, man, hey, this is the gospel that I'm living my life for. And as God is my witness, I am not lying. He lays that out. So that's the, 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 if you want to study somebody who lived an intentional life, study the life of Paul. Study and look at what Paul did. Study and look at the way that he lived his life as a a follower of Christ. He writes to us in Philippians. Some say that he was in a Philippian, uh, we know that he was in jail. Philippians is the book of joy. Um, We know that Paul was in jail as he writes Philippians. Um, Some say that he was under house arrest. Some say that he was in a Roman fortress type jail. We don't know which one it was for sure. But one thing we know, Paul was the same no matter where the place was that he was. He lived the same life, the same gospel, whether he was there or whether he was here. It didn't matter if he was free or if he was imprisoned. He lived his life for Christ. Do you live your life intentionally for others to be able to see Christ no matter where you are? Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're somewhere during the week, if you're out of town on a trip or whatever you're doing, do you live your life for Christ to be able to see, for people to be able to see Christ in you no matter where you are? Intentional living in God's love allows you to live your life for him. Intentional living allows you to live your life for him. I want you guys to take out the little uh, note cards you got. You can take this out. I want to ask you, as you're... um, Listening along, follow along with, with some of this. I'm going to ask you to write some stuff out on this here in just a few minutes. I want you to begin to pray that God would bring some people into your mind right now. Two or three people who you know who need to surrender to Christ, who you know who need Jesus. And begin to just pray that God would even use you to, in their journey. That he would even use you to help to share what he has done in your life with others. Why do I follow Christ? Because, man, I know the impact that he's made in my life. Why do I want to follow him? Why do I want to live my life for him? Because I know the impact that he's made in my life. We don't got to, we get to. We get the opportunity to share with others what he's done. We get the opportunity to be able to share with others the difference and the impact that he's made in our lives. That's why I want to do do the things that I do in my life. Because, man, I've lived my life for myself, and I know where it got me. It led me into brokenness, and I stayed there until I finally surrendered and said, God, I give it to you. I'm tired of living for myself. I want you to be in control. And when I moved from brokenness to giving him surrender and control, man, he gave me the ability to be, uh, man, just absolutely redeemed in him. Not because of me, but because of him. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of what he's done. It's not by your works. It's not by what you do. It's because of him. It's through him. And so wherever you are in your journey, I want to just challenge you and give God the opportunity to to use you and to use your life for his glory. We're going to look at Philippians 7 here. 
He lays it out in Philippians, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, verse 7. There is no Philippians 7, Dustin. <laughs> but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, uh, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. What is righteousness? Righteousness is being rightly related to God. It's being in a relationship with him that's not because of you, but it's because of the faith that you have in him that he says, this is who I, I see you to be. You're rightly related with me because of my son. It's not anything that you have done, but what I've done for you. When we surrender and we say, God, it's yours, then he takes us and he makes us and he molds us into who he desires us to be if you allow him to. And that's where I desire to be. Whatever was to my profit, I consider lost for the sake of Christ. Paul had it all. He had the pedigree. He had the future. He had the past. He had it all. He said, you know what? This is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to be doing. And, and, and that, he could have had all those things. He was in line to, to be the one who's going to help to lead this Jewish revolution. And all of a sudden, he's walking down this road to Damascus, and he gets ambushed by the gospel. He gets ambushed by Christ. The Holy Spirit appears to him and says, hey, this is Jesus who you have been persecuting and no more. Here's who I am, and here's who I desire for you to be. And that day, Paul surrendered. His life was changed, and he became, man, one of the, the greatest, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, one of the greatest intentional living people that ever lived. He lived his life intentional for the gospel. He says, hey, whatever was my, my loss um, to my profit is, is considered loss now. Why? Because it's more important for me to live with Christ than it is anything else. Man, he lays it out in Romans. He, he, he goes through from Romans 1 all the way up through verse, or chapter 9. He lays it out and he says in chapter 9, you know what? If I could for say, if I could take my salvation and set it to the side for you to know him, I would do so because you mean that much to me. I would take everything that Christ is in me. And if I could empty that out, set it to the side so that you can know the gospel, man, I would do it because I love you that much. God says once we surrender to him, man, nothing can take it away. He desires that we would live our lives for him. So Paul lays out, says, what was to, to my gain is lost. I consider everything a loss except for the surpassing greatness. Why? Because the surpassing greatness of Christ, whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them trash. I consider them trash. What are you living for? Are you living for the things in this world, in the carnal world, or in the spiritual world? Do you own your stuff, or does your stuff own you? See, we're called to be stewards. We're called to be stewards of what God has blessed us with. Our time, our talents, our treasures, all those things. Who are you living your life for? Are you living it for yourself, or are you living it for him? He desires that we would have that relationship with him, that we would be intentional about how we live and the way that we live our lives to honor and glorify him. It says in verse 10, I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's one thing to know somebody, right? I know Craig, right? I met Craig. We went down to, to Mexico. We spent some time hanging out together. I know Craig, all right? So I got a buddy here, Raul. I know Raul. Raul, you know, he and I have been friends for uh, several years now. 
Got one of my coaches, some of my players here from, from our ball team. They're, I know them, right? But it's different to know somebody and to really, truly know someone. I have my family here. I've got my mom and dad. I know my family. I've got my wife. I know my wife. There's a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone. This is what Paul's laying out. I don't want you just to know about Jesus. I want you to know who he is, right? Let me ask you a question. What's the difference between what you believe about who Christ is and what Satan believes about who Christ is? Let me ask you that question. What is the difference between what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about Christ, and what Satan believes about Christ? Let me ask you that because here's the deal. You may say, oh, I believe he's God's son. Guess what? Satan believes he's God's son. You may say, I believe that he came to save the world. Guess what? Satan believes he came to save the world. That's what he's fighting against. Hey, I believe that he died on the cross. Satan believed he died on the cross. Let me ask you this. What is different between what you believe about, about Jesus and what Satan believes about Jesus? What is the difference? You can say all those things, so can he. But can you say, he is my Lord and Savior. I've surrendered my life to him. He is in control because Satan can't say that. What's different about your faith and what you believe about Jesus and what Satan believes about Jesus? What's the difference? Because here's the deal. I've met a lot of Christians, Christians who are as empty on the inside with Jesus, as empty on the inside, hollow, nothing, filled like a balloon with just air. Looks good on the outside, you pop it and there's nothing left. What's the difference between what you believe about Jesus and what the enemy believes about Jesus? Because here's the deal. Satan can't say he's his savior. He can't say he's the one that changed his life. Can you say that? Are you living that out? Man, he lays it out. Paul continues on. I want you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings, becoming like him, it's a process, man, becoming like him, continuing to give him the opportunity to, to use you, to grow in your walk with him, continuing to, to allow you to be able to, to get depth in who you are in Christ, to be made perfect in who you are in him. He goes on, he lays it out, not that I've already attained this stuff, but here's where I am. Not that I've already attained it, but, but to, and, or have been made perfect, but I press on to take on for what God has taken hold of me. Perfection, when God looks at you as a believer, he sees perfection. He no longer sees a sinner that's saved by grace. He sees somebody who's sanctified through his son because when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you. He doesn't look at your sin. He looks at his son. He looks at what his son did for you. That's what happens. That's what happens. So no longer are you a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. But you know what? When I surrendered to him, he changed my life. And now you know what? The, the, the word talks about that I am sanctified. I am sanctified. All right. St. Dustin, that's got a pretty good ring to it, right? <laughs> I don't know if I could go around calling myself St. Dustin, but that's the way God sees me. That's how he sees you. If you're a follower of him, if you believe, if you've surrendered, he sees you as being sanctified. Sanctified is, is, is that you've been covered with his blood. It's not about you, what you've done. It's about him and what he did. When we surrender to him, we give him the opportunity to change our lives. He sees us differently. He no longer sees our sin. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. 
God desires that we would have that relationship with him, that we would know him, not just know about him. He wants us to know him. Do you know him in your life? Are you living an intentional life? Do you know him? He continues on. Man, I pray us on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. Are you taking hold of it? See, because in my life, I had my hands so tight, and, and I still go there. I mean, I, I still go there. I, I've, been a, I've been a follower of Jesus for, you know, 20-something years now, and I still go back to that holding on to what I see for my life, my plans, my thought, my day, all those things. I still go back there, right? We still struggle with that. It's, it's, it's not a... It's, it's not a, a deal where you, I surrender to you, God, I'm yours, and then for, uh, you know, nothing but butterflies and rainbows and all kind of happiness. No, 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 look, I don't know what kind of uh, prosperity gospel that you're trying to live your life in, but this gospel right here lays it out and said, if you want to know me, if you want to be like me, then you'll know my suffering and you'll be like me in my suffering. So when I take hold of what I want to live and how I want to do and my plans and my day, then I take away from him what he desires to do. So he says, lay it out. I'm yours. Give it to me. So what happens is this. I let go of who I am in myself, and I take on who I am in Christ. Take on who I am in Christ. Why? Because he took hold of me. I press on to take hold. Verse 12, I press on to take hold for that which has took hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of me. Have you allowed God to take hold of you, or are you still fighting him off? Are you stiff-arming Jesus all the time? Because listen. Man, he's tired of you, stiff arm, because he's coming after you and pursuing you. I did that in my life. I remember I, 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 I pushed him away and pushed him away and pushed him away. And he continued to pursue me and said this, I will not stop pursuing you because I love you and I care about you this much. You can continue to run from me and you'll be miserable. Or you can surrender to me and I will make you mine. I'll fill your life. How do you want to live? Brothers, I do not consider, verse 13, myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. You know that your memory is one of the greatest tools that the enemy will use against you? A few weeks ago, Tim said something that all of us kind of, uh-oh, where are we going with this? He said this, we get so called up in our past right? He says, some of you, here's your problem. You're so caught up in your past. You have your head stuck so far up your past, right? You can't see your future. You have your head stuck so far up your past, you can't see your future. We get stuck there in our victories and in our defeats. The enemy will use your memory in our victories and in our defeats. How many people do you know that they're the one-upper? Oh, but I did this. Oh, but I did this. Oh, but I caught the fish that was this big. Yeah, but I did. They're the one upper. Why? Because they're stuck in their past, in the victories, right? Man, it's great to celebrate the victories that you have in your life. It's great to celebrate those seasons that you have where God does something incredible. It's great to celebrate those, but don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. We take it, we learn from it, we move on, we, we press on. Press on means I will live to fight another day. I will line it up again and we will roll. That's what Paul's laying out. I press on. 
hey, I'm going to get after it again. I live to fight another day. This is where we're going. Don't allow the enemy to, to, to let the successes in your past get you stuck and stifle your future. Also, don't let the memories of the past and the defeats, don't let your defeats identify who you are now. Don't let those defeats that you have, those times where, man, maybe the enemy won a, a, a little battle. Don't let him stick you there. Don't get stuck in your defeats. Give that to him. He lays it out in Matthew 11. He says, hey, all who are weary and burdened, come to me. Give it to me. I'll give you rest. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you can have life, and you can have it to the fullest. David was a man after God's own heart, right? Did God say David was a man after God's own heart before or after all the, the, the adultery, the murder, the lying, the deceit, all those things? Did God say that David was a man after his own heart before all that stuff happened or after? He said it in the very beginning, knowing. He said, I'm going to send you Samuel. I'm going to get you to anoint a man who is after my own heart. God knew that David would struggle and still said, this is a man after my own heart. So that when David struggled, when he sinned, when he fell, God reminded him. He reminded him, you are still a man who's after my own heart. You no longer will be identified by your defeats. You will now be re restored through your victories. There's going to be consequences, yes, but that is not who you are. Your identity is not there. There was a man after God's own heart before and after and even through it all. But what he did is he took it and he said, I'm going to set you over here, God, because I think I got this now. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Right? Where are you in your journey? Where are you in your journey? Allow him to use you no matter where you are. Intentional living in God's love allows me to live in an irreparable past and an irresistible future. Irreparable past means that you can't fix it, you can't go in, you can't take care of it. It means that you're, it's out of your control. It's God's. Living in, in the ability, intentional living, and God's love allows me to live in an irreparable past and irresistible future. I can't fix it, God, it's yours. I want to live my life for you. You have a choice in the way that you want to live. You can take hold, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. Press on. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What are you pressing on towards? Are you living for yourself or are you living for him? How do you want, to, how do you want people to see you in your life? How do you want people to remember you in your life? Do you want to remember you as a, a, a good person or a God person? I don't want to be remembered as a good man. I want to be remembered as a God man. I want to be remembered for who I am in him, not who I am in any man or woman, but who I am in him. Are you living an intentional life? Unintentional living as a believer is this, that 
it's all about God's grace is poured on you. Hey, this is what I've done. This is it. But hey, God's grace is so good. It's poured on me. Living intentionally is God's grace is poured into you. Are you empty or, or, or are you filled? I don't want to live an empty life. I want to live a filled life. I'm in control or God is in control. I surrender. You're in control. When you go through tough times, are you asking, where's God at? <clears throat> Where are you at, God, in this trial? Where are you at in this struggle? Are you asking where God is at? Or are you laying it out saying, you know what? God, your grace is still amazing. I'm going to walk with you no matter what I'm going through, where I'm at. Your love is amazing. I'm walking in my love for him in a performance-based relationship, or I'm either walking in his love for me in a personal relationship. I'm not interested in performance-based Christianity. I'm interested in a relational side of who Christ is. It's not who I am. It's who he is. Do you do what you do out of duty or do you do what you do out of devotion? Is it done out of duty or is it done out of devotion? Which one? How are you living your life? I can deal with and fix my own past or God, I trust you. I trust you to give me the future that you want for me. I can take care of my future or I trust you with it. Which one are you living in? I walk in my love for myself or I walk in God's love for me. How are you living, intentionally or unintentional? I live in what I can do for God or I live in what God has done for me. Which one are you living in, unintentional or intentional? I live covered by his grace or do you live filled with his grace? I don't want to just be covered by his grace. I want to be filled with it because when I'm covered with it, it's a lot harder to show that grace to others. It's a lot easier to show that grace with others when I've been filled with it. It's not about just being covered with it. It's about being filled with it. Am I living in a way where his spirit is just radically being splashed by what happens to bounce off of me? Or am I living where my cup is full? Others are being doused by what is overflowing from inside of me as it's pouring out. I don't want people to know who I am. I want them to know who he is. I want to be a mirror for Jesus. I want to share that with others. I want people to know who he is because, man, I know how great he is. I'm still covered by his grace but empty, or I'm full of his grace and filling others. You have a choice the way that you live your life. Are you living an intentional life? Who are you sharing the intentional life with? We have the opportunity to be able to, to press on towards that goal. To press on towards the goal means that I am not going to live in defense. I am going to live an offensive life. I am not trying to stop Satan. He is trying to stop me. I'm not trying to stop the enemy. He is trying to stop me. I'm not fighting against him. He's fighting against me. And whenever he tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. He may have won a battle, but the war has been won. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? I'm not going to play defense against him. I'm going to play offense for what God has called me to do. I'm going to live my life for him. You look at the armor. It has all these pieces, but nothing has your back. Why? Because God has it. There's not a piece of the armor for the back. He has your back. We're not supposed to be retreating. We're supposed to be moving forward. 
feet fit with the readiness of the gospel. Who are you praying for? I ask you to write down three names. I ask you to start thinking about three names. Pray about two or three names that that you know who, man, you want to see them surrender to him. Listen, I, I, I got people on my list. I've been praying for for 20 years. Over 20 years to come to know him. I've shared with them. I don't, I don't care if God uses me to share with them or if he uses somebody else. I just want to see them surrender to who he is. I want to challenge you to be thinking about three names. Two or three names that you are just going to intentionally pray for that God would use you or somebody else to share with them that they would surrender. That he would use somebody our mission here is to connect your story with Christ and others. There's a simple question you can ask. I love asking this question. So what's your story? So what's your story? It helps me to get to know who you are. It helps me to get to know your story, where you are with Christ. I may know you for years. I may know you for five seconds, and I may ask you, so what's your story? Because it's just a, it's just a tool that I can use to get into a conversation a life conversation. And from there, man, I love to be able to see where people are in their walk and, 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 and who they are. Some of you in here, you may be sitting there and, and you may have a good, strong relationship with Christ or you may be sitting there trying to figure out who he even is, if there even is a God that exists. I want to share a tool with you. I want to share a tool that's, that's really simple. And sharing the gospel. A tool that is very, very simple to use to be able to share the gospel. I, I, I don't, I don't it, it's up to you what you want to use. There's, a, there's tons of tools out there. This is just one that is just simple to be able to use. Very, very easy. It involves drawing three circles. If you can draw three circles, you can use this tool. Okay? As I draw it up here, since I have chicken scratch for writing, they're also going to have it on the board. Okay? All right, so here's what we got. Where the, the, the way that God desired for us to have a relationship with him is, is through his design, all right? So God had a design for us in the way we, live, we would live our lives, okay? All right, so God's design is that we would have a relationship with him. God's design is that we would have a relationship with him, that, that we would know him, not just know about him, that we would know him right? That's what he desired. If you have your sheet, there's a spot open where it says three circles. Draw it out as I draw it out. I want to challenge you to do so. There's some pins there and the seat backs in front of you. You can grab those. If you're on the front row, I don't know where the pins are, so I can't tell you. All right, so here's what we got. God desired that we would have a relationship with him, okay? And so it's by God's design that, that we would do life with him, all right? But here's what the scripture says. Here's what the Bible says. What happened is this. I thought that I could do it better my way. So man did this. They walked away from God. They walked away from his design because they thought they had a better plan, right? Okay, Satan comes to, to, to man in the garden and says, hey, if you want to you be like God, you can be like God. This is how you can do this. You can know, you can know this stuff. All you got to do is this. And when we chose to do that, when man chose to do that, we chose to walk away from his design. As we did that, that's what the scripture calls sin. We made a mistake. We messed up. We're born into that. room. All right, Emma was four years old. Aubrey was about two years old. Emma was sitting there playing with a bear. I was sitting on the couch. I remember Aubrey walked over, picked up the bear. 
Emma jumped up and knocked Aubrey. I mean, just knocked him, okay? And I'm sitting there going, whoa, I didn't teach her that. Her mama did. Um, <laughs> now it's, and so I'm like, you know, what, we don't have to teach that. It's that sin nature, right? It's that sin nature, all right? We don't have to teach that. It just happens. You don't have to teach somebody to lie, right? You don't have to teach somebody to lie. Why? Because they have that with inside. Why? Because we broke what God's design was. He desired that we would have the ability to live with him in a relationship. And when we did that, it left us in brokenness. Brokenness is where we live now. Think about it. We live in a broken world where people are going in shooting up a school, where people are going in and killing and kidnapping families, women, and children, and selling them as sex slavery. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where, unfortunately, there's a woman that will kill her own kids, where, unfortunately, there's a man who would look at his wife and say, I no longer care about you or desire to have any kind of relationship and walk out on her and three kids. We live in a broken world. There are broken relationships. There's brokenness all around. You don't have to do anything except turn on the evening news at 5 or 6 o'clock and to see we live in a broken world. There's brokenness all around us. And so here's what we try to do as people. We try to fill that brokenness with stuff. We try to fill it with even relationships. We try to fill it maybe with family. We try to fill it with drugs or alcohol, whatever makes you feel better and suppresses it. We even try to fill it with religion. When we try to fill it with these things, all it does is like a bungee cord, just snaps us right back into brokenness. You can go to church all every day of your life, and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it ain't going to do you no good. Are you going for information or are you going for transformation? I'm not interested in information. I want transformation. Brokenness is where we end up. God doesn't want us to be in brokenness. He desires that we would be living in the relationship with him, the way that he designed it. So what he did is this. He gave us the gospel. Here's the deal about the gospel, though. In order for us to be able to see and to know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what God's word is. It's the truth. It's who he is. It's, it's Jesus. God made man. It's the story of who Christ is. It's what God has done for us. And man, he lived a perfect and sinless life to be able to get us back to his design. He came and, and he sinned none, zero. Why? So that he could pay the price that we never could. He paid the price for us. So when we go from brokenness to the gospel, it means we got to do something. In order for us to get from brokenness to the gospel, we have to repent for what we've done and believe. Repent is just a biblical word that says, I don't want to do that no more. God, forgive me. That's it. No more. I'm done. I'm sorry. Repent and believe. Here, we like to say surrender. So I want my life to not be my life anymore. I want it to be your life. God, use me. Surrender. That's what surrender is. It's, it's just like getting on a bus. When you get on a bus, you're surrendering the control of your, somebody getting your, to the, you to your destination from yourself to somebody else. Who? The driver. When I get on that bus, I'm trusting that driver to get me to my destination. I'm trusting him to get me where I'm going. I still choose where I sit. I cho still choose what I do on the bus. I choose those things. But listen, when I surrender, I step on that bus. I'm giving him control of me to get me to my destination. Same thing with God. When I choose to surrender to him, I'm saying, God, my life is yours. I'm going to trust you to get me to my destination where you desire for me to be. Surrender and repent. 
That's what the gospel does. And what happens is this. It doesn't stop there. But next, what happens is, is God continues to allow us to be able to see and to know him. That John 10, 10, to be full, okay, to have that full life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. So he desires to recover what was lost and give us the ability to, to, to have that purpose in our lives. As we recover what we've lost, we have the ability to live with purpose. Guys, as I go through this too, it's not about the words that you put here. It's about explaining who Jesus is. And this gives you a tool, just a simple tool to be able to explain how we got to where we are. As I ask people, hey, where do you see yourself in these three circles? If they're, they don't know who God is, <laughs> they find themselves in brokenness. And then I explain, hey, God desires, that's why he sent his son, that we can have a relationship with you. He desires that we would have the ability to be able to do life with him. And so what happens is when we surrender, I'm saying, God, you're in control. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. He helps us to recover God's design for our lives and gives us purpose for the way that we, he wants us to live. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to that you can have life and have it to the fullest. That's what he desires that we do. But God does not desire just to be your savior. He doesn't desire just to be your savior. He desires to be the king, the Lord of your life. He desires to be the king, the Lord of your life. It's not just about him being my savior. It's about him being in control of my life. That's what he desires. This is just a simple and easy tool. You can draw on a napkin while you sit there and drink coffee with somebody. You can share with them at lunch. I mean, it's something easy and simple that you can draw up and you can give to them and say, hey, this is what I'm praying for you about. You're in brokenness. Hey, this is, if you're not ready to surrender, hey, I'm praying. Just, just look through this. I'm praying God will open your eyes to be able to see who he is and to give you the opportunity to be able to surrender to who he is. That's what it is. It's a tool. There's an app called Life Conversations app, okay? Life Conversations. You can pull out your smartphone if you got it. Pull it out. You can write it in. You can type it up. You're not going to offend me. Right now, you can do it. Download the app. It takes you through this. It shows a little video. I mean, it's a great way that you, it's just a tool, I don't care if you use this, I don't care if you use EE, or I don't care if you use faith, I don't care if you, I don't care what you use to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share what he's done in your life. Why are you not? Are you ashamed of it? Listen, we all know somebody who needs it. Share it. Share it. Give God the opportunity to use you. There's an app, Life Conversations app, that'll walk you through some of this stuff as well. I don't care what you use. This is simple enough to be used, to be drawn out in the sand in the Middle East. I've sat there in a refugee camp with Syrian refugees and drawn it out in the sand. Why? Because it's simple and easy. I've seen our, our people who are living there day in and day out be in there and just sharing it with them. It's not about this. It's not about the tool. It's about the message behind it. This just gets you there. It just gets you there. So let me ask you this. I want you to write down those three names if you hadn't done it yet. The challenge is this. Who are three people that you're praying for to surrender to Christ? Pray that God will open up the door for you or somebody else to share with them. Invite them to come with you. Invite them to do life with you. That's the challenge. You may be sitting here today and you may say, you know what? Let me ask you this is, is, is just you personally, each one of you. Where do you find yourself right here? 
Do you see yourself in God's design? Do you see yourself in brokenness? Do you see yourself living out the gospel? Where do you see yourself? Because here's the deal. We, when we sin as a follower, we go right back into brokenness, not woundedness, and say, God, it's yours. I want you to continue to help me to grow in who I am in you and give me purpose and recover that relationship with you. So we continue to grow in that. It's not a one-time deal. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, his new creation, the old is gone, new has come. It's not a one-time deal. It's an everyday deal. We have the opportunity to live our lives for him. So I challenge you, who are you praying for? Who are you seeking? And who are you asking to be able to live their life for you, for, to, to live your life with you for Christ? Who are you asking to do that? I challenge each of you. Give God the opportunity to use you. And if you're sitting here today and you find yourself right here in brokenness and you've bungeed back in through drugs or alcohol or through relationships or even through religion, and I challenge you, surrender. Give God the opportunity to show you what he can do in your life.